0: Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 482. As part of our Smithsonian Associates author interview series, our guest today is Deepak Chopra, appearing at the Smithsonian Associates via Zoom September 29th, and more details are available on our website and at Smithsonian Associates. How can an ancient practice help us face an uncertain future? Two and a half millennia ago, the Buddha taught that inner peace and freedom could be developed and cultivated through training in the mindfulness, compassion, and insight found in the practice of meditation. And research in neuroscience confirms key understandings of this timeless tradition. Join us today with Deepak Chopra as he draws on his new book, Total Meditation, Practices in Living and awakened life to examine why meditation can serve as potentially a very powerful tool to meet the challenges of the moment. Deepak Chopra, who has been at the forefront of the meditation revolution for the last 30 years, shares how meditation awakens new levels of awareness that can cultivate a clear vision, heal suffering in your mind and body, and help recover who you really are. He leads a short meditation practice to get you started On the path to a centered self meditation practice at the conclusion of our program. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Deepak Chopra. Dr. Deepak Chopra, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be talking to you today. This is an important subject, of course, meditation, especially for our times. You're going to be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates presentation coming up. And I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit briefly about your Smithsonian Associates presentation. And in particular, talk take us through that right now.
1: Well, you know, meditation is a history uh, of thousands of years in all the wisdom traditions of the world, both East and West. And there are many kinds of meditation, reflective Uh, Self-inquiry, contemplation, mindful awareness of the body, mindful awareness of the inside of the body, which is these days called interoception as opposed to perception. Then there's um, the traditional vipassana meditations, mantra meditations, transcendence, on and on. So what I'm going to do uh, with our presentation at the Smithsonian, do something called the master meditation, which uh, allows people to understand that their experience of anything in the world, whether it's perceptual or cognitive or emotional, all that experience is in awareness. That awareness of something, of an experience, is not the experience, which means the awareness of a thought is not a thought, it's the awareness of a thought. The awareness of emotions is not the emotions, the awareness. And awareness is intrinsically free from all experiences. Therefore, awareness is independent of the fluctuations of the mind, of perception, but also of interpretations of, of the world. So, right now, as we move into the near future, we are seeing a planet with extreme divisiveness, lots of conflict, the capacity to destroy the world 20 times over with modern capacities and Bronze Age tribal tendencies. And we are seeing a world that's, in my opinion, headed for. Uh, almost collective suicide with uh, nuclear weapons, biological warfare, interference of democracies, uh, social and economic injustice, mass changes in populations, um, violence all across the world, poison in our food chain. And we are not aware of it. We, At least even if we are, we like sleepwalking through the whole thing. And if we want to actually... Uh, reinvent uh, life, and right now is the perfect time. With the pandemic and financial crisis and stress in the world, I think just expanding our awareness and getting in touch with the source of thought, creativity, higher vision, transcendence, we could possibly create a new story for humanity, a more peaceful, just sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. But we need collective will. We need collective intention. We need compassion, uh, deeper empathy for those who are suffering, and acts of kindness and what I call love in action. So that's that's the ultimate vision. But we have to start with becoming aware of our own experiences, and knowing that any time, any time, we can
0: pause, notice, and choose
1: the experience we want.
0: And your new book, Total Meditation, which is which is excellent, by the way, and getting excellent reviews. Is this what you're referring to as Total Meditation? In insofar as it differs from. That's just regular meditation, what we might consider just standing.
1: Uh Yes, and I intend in our Smithsonian talk to do something called a master meditation, which shows the presence of being or awareness in every experience. You can't have an experience unless you're aware of it. Uh, Otherwise, you have the experience and you're not aware of it, but it's no good. It just colors your subconscious mind and reinforces the collective divisiveness and panic because most of our thoughts right now are recycled hypnosis of social conditioning.
0: The book has 52 mantras that could be used almost as a year's course, 52 weeks long in mantra meditation. What What's a mantra and what are the benefits of mantra meditation? And maybe share a mantra meditation with us.
1: Okay, so, you know, uh, the simplest mantra in the world is
0: aham or amen. That's
1: it. So be it, which is the acceptance of the present moment. But the word mantra has two roots, man, which means mind. It's the Sanskrit word for mind. The word man, mind, also is related to the words human and woman in other words um, thinking mind intellectual mind so man means mind tra is an instrument of the mind to take you beyond the mind so mantras are sounds and some of them have no meaning uh, some of them a hint of a meaning some of them thematic but it doesn't matter whether you know the meaning or not when you recite a mantra loudly and other people with other people, that becomes a chant. So Gregorian chants are mantras, literally. And there are many centering prayers in the West. When chanted, they sound like mantras. The word enchantment is a very interesting word. It means uh, the magic that happens when you chant and you become one with the source of thought. So that's what the word chanting means. When you internally recite a mantra, it takes you away from your internal dialogue. Your internal dialogue is your past history. In Eastern traditions, that's called your karmic body. So your physical body is representing your internal dialogue. If your internal dialogue is full of stress, then your body is tight. If your internal dialogue as love, compassion, joy, equanimity, then you're making serotonin, opiates, oxytocin, and other um, chemicals that happen to be immunomodulators. So mantra takes you away from your internal dialogue into basically a place of ambiguity where you experience both your internal dialogue and the mantra at the same time, or one or the other. And that there are moments when the mantra... And the internal dialogue both would disappear. That moment is called transcendence. You're not, you've gone beyond the mind. And that is the goal of mantra meditation. So the 52 mantras start with what are called seed mantras, which basically take you to that place where there is no thought and there is no mantra. Then you can introduce intentions, which is what the other mantras are. They're seeds of attention and intention that are almost like seeds in the fertile ground of transcendent possibilities. So mantra takes you from certainty to uncertainty to unpredictability to ambiguity and ultimately to
0: transcendence. We are with Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra will be at the Smithsonian Associates Program coming up here on September 29th. The title of Dr. Chopra's presentation is Meditation for Today. Dr. Chopra is author of the new book, Total Meditation. It's really great to be talking to you right now, Dr. Chopra. We are... I suppose we're in a world of hurt in in many ways. We've, we're facing so many challenges on so many different fronts. A message from you, uh, one of hope, perhaps, what might be very beneficial to our audience. What what message of hope do you do you have for people today who are struggling?
1: I say only one thing is needed: that we should be reminding of ourselves in every moment that we make choices, and that is love in action. Action without love is meaningless. Love without action is re- is is irrelevant. but when you have love in action and you have
0: that intention, you make the right choices you know I think people are prone to you know stress in, 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 and it it surfaces in so many different ways, and I think during these times we 're apt to either decrease or even abandon our meditation practice why is it especially important to continue to meditate during stressful situations like the one that we're experiencing right now with with COVID?
1: Well, with COVID, we are seeing three pandemics. One is the pandemic of COVID itself, COVID-19. The second is the pandemic that is resulting into a financial crisis, people losing jobs, and obviously that's a source of great suffering. The third pandemic is global stress and almost what I would say grief. When people have grief, they go through several stages. And I look at the planet, people are going through grief in different stages. So the first stage of grief is victimization. The second stage of grief is anger. The third is frustration. The fourth is resignation. The fifth is helplessness. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't go beyond that. And when they get helpless, they make irrational decisions. Um, both in terms of mental hygiene, physical distancing, not wearing masks, all the things that we should be doing. They make irrational decisions, number one. And secondly, they make irrational decisions and economic decisions as well for themselves. But the most significant part of this stress experience is that it causes inflammation in the body. Now, we are looking at all the data on who's getting sick with COVID-19, And what we find, and this is public knowledge by now, that all the people who are getting sick from COVID-19, elderly, have chronic inflammation, chronic stress, and low-grade anxiety and depression. Sometimes they don't even know that they have it, uh, other than they don't feel quite good. And these are the people who also have chronic disease, like diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune illnesses, cancer, etc., So the people who are getting sick are already predisposed because of chronic inflammation. The younger people who are getting sick right now are getting what are called inflammatory storms, and they're called cytokine storms. So um, when they get inflammatory storms, they're more prone to the infection, but also damage from the infection, morbidity and mortality. The best thing we can do right now in tackling everything is to minimize inflammation in the body and the mind. And when I say body and mind, it's one unit. Body and mind are the same thing, just like mass energy is the same entity. Wave particle is the same entity. Um, Biological organism and environment is the same entity. You can't live without your extended body, which we call the environment. Wave and particle are the same entity. Body and mind are the same entity. The mind is thoughts and feelings experienced in consciousness. The body is perceptions and sensations experienced in consciousness. So when we actually meditate or practice any kind of mind-body coordination, including deep breathing, we override what is called sympathetic overdrive, which is causing all the inflammation. And that happens through a very specific mechanism called parasympathetic stimulation, the dominant nerve in that system is the vagus nerve. The vagus, uh, word vagus is Latin, but related to the English word vagabond, because it goes everywhere, and it's the parasympathetic nervous system, which is now being recognized as the healing reset system. If you if you practice meditation right now, or mind-body techniques, or even Uh, practices like yoga and deep breathing, or tai chi, or martial arts, or anything that improves mind-body coordination, you will decrease your likelihood of inflammation by 65%. We've actually published this in peer-reviewed journals. Other people are replicating it. We should be focusing on our healing in the body, preventing sickness, disease. At the same time, I would say we should not lose hope. There are many technologies on their way right now to create particulate-free matter in the environment through air filtration and all kinds of other things, infrared la- lighting, ultraviolet decontamination. So I would say hang in there. For the moment, take care of yourself. Take care of your friends and family. And through social Uh, distancing, but not lack of social intimacy, give attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance to everyone. And we'll get through this. Actually, when we come out of this, the ecosystem will have fixed itself a little bit better as well. Because right now, as you look out of the window, at least I look out of the window, the air is cleaner. I'm told that people are breathing better in Bangalore. The Himalayas can be seen from 500 miles away. Fish are returning to dead lakes. Even the canals of Venice are seeing fish for the first time. And bees that are and birds that are responsible for 90% of the nutrition on our planet, notwithstanding industrial food production, are back. So, you know, nature is saying to us, humans be a little more respectful of the environment, come back when you do with less hubris and a little more humility. And we could, in fact, together embark on the emergence of a more
0: peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. Oh, well, Dr. Deepak Chopra, Thank you so much for that. Your your compassion and your your insight is so important right now, especially important to our Smithsonian audience many of whom are over 55 and are are predisposed perhaps to COVID. You talk an awful lot about individual mental well-being and we we talk about that a fair bit on on the program here too. And you describe it as, as even an answer to, to peace, world peace even. How does meditation help with all of that?
1: Peace can only be created by those who are peaceful, not by angry peace activists, which is a contradiction in itself, and not also by peace Nobel laureates. A lot of them have very unpeaceful lives. We can only be the change We want to see in the world. And if enough of us do that, there will be peace in the world. It's been said thousands of years ago repeatedly. And sometimes these things become cliches, even though they are very profound insights into the nature of reality.
0: Dr. Deepak Chopra, what a pleasure it is to be talking to you and uh, to get this uh, helpful advice as well as just to hear. Your very positive nature and message. And I know our audience is going to really value this presentation as well as enjoy it dramatically. The book is wonderful. It's titled Total Meditation. We've been with Dr. Deepak Chopra. Thanks so much, Dr. Chopra, for your time today.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you, Paul. Thank you.
0: My thanks to Deepak Chopra, who will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates September 29th, via zoom details are available on our website or at smithsonian associates deepak chopra's new book total meditation practices in living the awakened life is available too. check out the details on the smithsonian associates website thanks too to our wonderful smithsonian team for all their help and assistance with the show and my thanks to you our wonderful not old better show audience Stay safe, everyone, and practice smart social distancing. And remember to talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.